if we have anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior, I bid you today to listen intently to the message. It's a message to encourage those who are saved. Those of us who are born again, I hope this message encourages your heart. If you are unsaved, I pray this message would speak to your heart. To where you would see a need to know Jesus as your Savior. Today we're going to talk about the day of the Lord. In this chapter, we're going to keep that theme, the day of the Lord. And today we want to break down confusion or break down some confusion that we see is taking place in the text we're going to look in verses one through three in chapter two of second thessalonians and while you're turning there and i'm sure you're already there just indulge me i there was this college student who was seen with a big k printed on his t-shirt Someone approached him and asked him, what does that K stand for? His reply was (laughs) confused. Yeah, just like you're wondering. The person that asked him what that K stood for said, but you don't spell confused with a K. The college student answered and said, you don't know how confused I am. (laughs) Now, if we're honest, if we're honest, confused appears to be the state in which many people that we encounter today live in. People who are strung out on drugs are so confused that they tell you they don't know why they do them. Those who seem to be unfaithful in every relationship they have are so confused that they can't explain why they have to be unfaithful. It's obvious that when a man wants to dress as a woman, Or even want to surgically alter themselves to where they could become a woman. It's awfully obvious that there's confusion somewhere. And when a woman dresses as a man. Or chooses to alter themselves to become as a man. There's something confusing going on with them. When legislators, school systems, parents say it's normal when a child wants to choose their own gender. Look, someone's confused. There's a lot of confusion going on in the world today. But as I've said in the past, there's nothing new under the sun. People being confused should not alarm us. The believers in Thessalonica were confused concerning the coming judgment of our Lord and Savior. 
We know in chapter 1 that the believers were facing a fierce persecution. But however, in the midst of the persecution they were facing, they grew in their faith and their love toward each other. As we also know that Paul assured the believers in Thessalonica that the righteous judge would emerge. And when he did emerge, that his judgment would be exact. And while this may have brought comfort to the hearts of those who were reading or hearing from Paul, it appears when we look here in chapter 2 that they were just confused about the day of the Lord. The Bible tells us here in these first three verses, Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is God's word. Pray with us. God, we thank you for this day you've given us. And we thank you that we can know that you are faithful. Even when we are not faithful, God, we know that you are faithful. God, help us this day as we hear from you that, God, that you help us with any confusion we may have about the day of the Lord. God, speak to our hearts and comfort us and strengthen us, encourage us. And for those who may not know you, through your son, Jesus Christ, God, convict their hearts and help them to see their need for a Savior. And God, with everything, we'll give you praise, glory, and honor. For God, you are worthy. For you woke us up this day. You clothed us in our mind this day. You've given us reasonable health and strength this day. God, you've blessed us this day. As we are gathered here together to worship you, be in the center of all that we say and do. And we'll give you praise, glory, and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't like to be begin or end messages in the middle of a sentence. But we're going to focus on these three verses today. And when we cover the next several verses from probably from 4 through 12 next week, um, we'll be able to see why there was a break here with this sentence. I pray that we'll be able to see it and it'll become clear to us. But when we look in these first three verses, there's something that really jumps out at us. And, there was, and it is the fact that there was a lot of confusion among the believers in Thessalonica. We know that they were facing fierce persecution and it would, have, it would be safe to assume that many of them may have witnessed some of them whom they knew or who they loved martyred for their faith. It would be safe to assume that they understood that at any time, at any day, they could be next to be martyred also for their faith. And on top of that, there seemed to be someone, a false prophet, a false teacher 
someone who declared to them that the day of the Lord was at hand. It appears that this person professed to experience something spiritual to have this information. Maybe they, they, maybe they were visited by an angel or maybe they had some vision and they just chalked it up as saying the day of the Lord has appeared. It appears that they could have even backed up that claim by claiming that, that they had received a word from God himself. It may be even they appeared to declare that they had to also support their claim was they had received a letter from one of the apostles. Um, it stating that the Lord, the day of the Lord was upon them. It appears that this was going on in their lives. So it would be easy for us to understand why the believers at Thessalonica were shaken, why they were troubled. The word shaken here, it means to be agitated or shocked. The word troubled, it means to, to be in a state of nervousness. So it would be naive of you and I to think that we couldn't fall prey to this deception as well. Think about it. While we know that Revelation 14 through 13 teaches us that blessed are, the, are they who die in the Lord for the dead who die in the Lord for they rest from their labors and their works follow them. And we also know that the 23rd Psalm teaches us that, that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil. Folks, we know these things to be true, but if we are honest with ourselves, we may be prepared to leave this world. Some of us may even welcome leaving this world if we're facing a terrible sickness, but when we are healthy, when we're feeling good, none of us want to leave our families we may not be afraid of the day when it comes, but most of us don't want that day to be today. Oh, you sit there. Yeah, we know. Uh, I'm, I'm been where you're at. I, I, <laughs> I felt so low that I wanted to go, but I don't want to go right now. I'm ready to go. I'm prepared to go. And if he says, I'm coming to get you today, it's okay with me. But I don't want to leave my family. I've seen it. I've been by too many bedsides to where they fight and they struggle and we wonder why they know the Lord. Why don't they just go on and be with the Lord, but they fight to stay here. Yeah, we have to be honest with ourselves. We can understand where these Thessalonian believers are at. They, they're confused. In the midst of persecution, now they're hearing, well, the, the day of the Lord is upon us. Well, the deception, we need to understand the deception that caused this confusion. And Paul addresses that right here in these verses. He addressed the confusion of the Thessalonian believers uh, because they were shaken and they were troubled. Well, they were shaken and they were troubled because they, when they thought of the day of the Lord, they thought of facing the judgment of God. They weren't thinking of when Jesus split the eastern sky and received his church as being the day of the Lord. They thought about God's judgment upon those who don't believe. You know, they, they were confused. They, they thought that they were going to be facing the judgment of God themselves. They, they, 
they had been confused by this false prophet or this false teacher. But Paul makes an urgent appeal to them to look to the coming of the Lord and are gathering together with him. The apostle wanted the believers to shift their focus. He wanted them to focus on the Lord's return and not on the Lord's judgment. The judgment of God is not for the church. It is not for those who have believed in and have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For the first Thessalonians 5 and 9, 5 and 9 Paul declared that God had, did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when our Lord and Savior does appear, we who have been who have believed upon him and received him, we have nothing to fear. For at that time, we will receive a salvation that is full and true. What do I mean by it being full and true? Well, right now, we who have received salvation, we've escaped the penalty of our sin. However, we're still in the presence of sin, and we're still being bombarded by the power of sin. But when Jesus comes back, when that day he returns, he's taking us out of this world, and we'll no, no more be bound to experience the power or the presence of sin. Not only will we rejoice because the penalty of our sin is behind us, but sin's power and sin's presence will no longer molest our joy. Yes, when we think of confusion, confusion, I can't help but think of the disciples when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. We remember some of the things that took place. Peter drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus told Peter to put the sword away. He said, whoever lives by the sword will die or perish by the sword. So Jesus asked them if they didn't know that he could pray to the father. <laughs> and the father would send 12 legions of angels to take care of him. Yes, when they... And here, Jesus says this to them. And, and when the soldiers took hold of Jesus, all the disciples forsook him and fled. They were confused. They were confused because the one they believed to be Israel's Messiah was arrested. They were shaken because this Jesus, whom the winds and the sea obeyed, was taken captive. They were troubled because this Jesus, who they witnessed raised the dead to life, would be Ill illegally arrested, illegally tried, and crucified. But the truth is, <laughs> they were confused, shaken, and troubled because they were focusing on the wrong things. They were focusing on everything that was taking place around them rather than the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 56 that all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. I wonder, I wonder what is it that we find ourselves focused on that causes confusion in our lives? What is it that gets our attention so that we find ourselves shaken? What could it be that arouses us so that we are troubled? Whenever we find ourselves confused, I want to share this little bit with you. Uh, if we find ourselves confused, it's because we're focusing on the cares of the world. 
world, not on our Lord Jesus Christ. We know in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33, it tells us for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as it is in the churches of the saints. There's no way we can put our mind on the Lord and be confused. He's not the author of confusion. We have an enemy that wants our attention on everything except what the Lord is telling us in his word. He wants us shaken by political decisions. He wants us troubled by violence across our nation and in our neighborhoods. They're so shaken that we forget that we live in a world and we live among people who curse God and deny Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's no wonder that this world is in the mess that it's in, but we must remember that scripture must be fulfilled. Jesus has told us in Luke 12 and 17, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. So if, as this world goes further and as this world goes further and further and as this world goes further and further away from God and his principles for living, let us, let us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior gird up the loins of our mind, be sober, rest our hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let us focus solely on our Savior and living according to his word. Oh, if we would do that, we wouldn't have to worry about being confused in this world. The world might think we're confused, but we would know exactly in whom our salvation lies. Yes, Paul, he wanted them to be clear. He wanted them to be clear that the day of the Lord has not taken place. It's not been ushered in yet. He wanted them to know they could look to the Lord's coming. He wanted them to know this because when God's judgment come upon the earth, they wouldn't be here. As a matter of fact, he wanted them to understand so much that he gave them some details that were meant to clear up the confusion. Now, seeing the confusion of these Thessalonian believers, the Apostle Paul gives a directive to them. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. Paul is directing them to not allow anyone to get in the way of them and the truth. No matter how flattering their speech may be. No matter how confident that they may seem in what they say. No matter... Who's with them, touching and agreeing with them? <laughs> he is saying to them, do not allow anyone to deceive you concerning that day. The day of the judgment of God. So he goes a little further with them. He goes a, a little further to share with them two things that will signify that the day of, of the judgment of God will be launched. The day that it will fall upon those who have cursed God. The day of judgment when it will fall on those who denied and ignored and neglected the Lord Jesus Christ. He shares with them first that there will be a falling away. The indication here is there will be a great number of professing believers falling away from God. The Greek word for this is apostasy. It is the rebellion against God. 
Paul is making it clear to the Thessalonian believers that before the terrible judgment of God takes place, there's going to be many upon the earth who's going to turn away from God. Paul is saying that this will happen first. So the indication is that the rebellion was going to be so great that it's going to prove necessary for the Lord to return in judgment. So you may be asking, well, preacher, are you saying that there's people who are saved that's going to reject and deny Christ altogether? That's not what I said. I said they will be professing believers. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that those apostates, those who will fall away, those who will deny Christ, never truly knew him to begin with. They professed Christ, but they never had a true spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Apostle John stated this in 1 John 2 and 19, that they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. There's a lot of people that we actually believe are in a backslidden condition who's just never been saved. Does that mean there's no one in a backslidden condition? Oh, no. I lived as a backslider for a while. I understand being in a backslidden condition. But I never denied the, the, the power and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Was I serving him? No. Did I think I was on my way to hell? Yes, I did. But I come to find out he had me the whole time. Oh, isn't he good? Isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? I mean, that even when we're unfaithful to him, he's faithful to us. But you know what? There are those even in the church who hold positions. Now, it doesn't happen here at Reedy Branch. We're talking about other churches. We're talking about in the church that, that profess to know Jesus Christ. There's some leading ministries. There's some leading churches who have never had a true revelation of Jesus Christ. And they will deny him. They will turn away from him. And this will happen before the judgment of God comes upon the earth. Oh, yes. <laughs> Paul goes a little further with that. Not only will there be a great falling away, but the apostle also said that before the judgment of God comes, the man of sin the son of perdition will be revealed. The man of sin, this is stating that he is the very embodiment of lawlessness. When we think of sin, that's what we think of lawlessness. And this man of sin is the very embodiment of it. He's the very, when you, when you witness him, when he is revealed, we'll see that he is the very rebellion of God. He will do all he can to lead every man, woman, boy, and girl against God. Paul also calls him the son of perdition. This means that he is so evil that he is like the devil himself. 
But understand that the Antichrist is not Satan. He is a man who will be sent by the very working of Satan. You don't believe that? Verse 9 in this same chapter of this same book says that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Huh. If you want to have an idea just how evil the Antichrist will be, just begin to think of some of the most evil men in history. Men like Hitler, Stalin, and other dictators who slaughtered millions. What about the evilness of men who lured people to their death through cults? Or the evilness of men who murdered, who raped and murdered their victims? Or the evilness of men who killed innocent kids in schools, people in churches, or other public buildings? If you want to talk about evilness, go to social services. Talk to some of those workers who got to go in homes. Who find children who are abused. And you'll see pure evil. The problem is. <coughs> all the evil we can think of. Fails in comparison. To the man of sin. It fails in comparison. To the son of perdition. To the antichrist. I don't know about you. But the, these details. That Paul is sharing. It gives me great comfort. Yeah, I thought you'd get quiet. Because I've got comfort in knowing Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Which tells me I won't be around when the man of sin is revealed. I won't be around here when the, the, the son of perdition is revealed. I won't be around when he starts to control this world. <laughs> we don't have to be confused because the day of the Lord will come before the day of the judgment of God. The day of the Lord we can look to for on that day, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we shall always be with the Lord. So let's not be confused church. Let's not be shaken or troubled by the day of the judgment of God. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the details of the coming judgment are not a warning to you, but they're words of comfort that you will escape this judgment. So therefore, while we're on this side of life, let's be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as the helmet, the hope of our salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we can be comforted. We can be comforted. However, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is a warning to you. These aren't words of comfort to you. Because when the day of the Lord the day we as believers can look to when it will come, when he will come and receive his church. If you are not part of the church, it will be too late for you. The man of evil will come for you and you will follow him. How do you know that preacher? 
Well, if we look far enough down this chapter, starting at verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, this reason, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is God's word. But today, as they come to Give us a song of invitation today, right now. If you're here and you do not believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you have not received him. But if you believe he is the son of God. If you believe he lived a sinless life. If you believe he was crucified, becoming the ultimate and final sacrifice for the sin of the world. If you believe he died, was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. If you believe this and will repent of your sin, believing that he will forgive you of your sin. And if you will receive him as your personal savior. Today, you can be free from the penalty of your sin. Today, you, be, you can begin to live in the hope of the day of the Lord and never fear the coming judgment of God again. Do you believe? As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. As they begin to sing this song, if you believe, I'd love to introduce you to this man named Jesus. If you believe, would you come today? If you're ready to make him your Lord and Savior, would you make that decision today?